So I'm just going to read a, a verse from the Bhagavad, from the Bhagavad Gita. And then, uh, which I th thought might be appropriate. Because uh, if I can find the verse, let's see what was the number. Nice, sure. This is Bhagavad Gita, chapter 2, verse 57. If everyone has a Bhagavad Gita there. Yak sarvatrani visnehas tatat prapya shubha shubha. In the material world, one who's not a, one who's unaffected by whatever good or evil he may obtain, neither praising it nor despising it, is firmly fixed in perfect knowledge. Purport, there is always some upheaval in the material world which may be good or evil. One who is not agitated by such material upheavals, who is unaffected by good and evil, to be understood to be fixed in Krishna consciousness. As long as one is in the material world, there is always the possibility of good and evil because the world is full of duality. But one who is fixed in Krishna consciousness is not affected by good and evil because he is simply concerned with Krishna who is all good absolute. Such consciousness in Krishna situates one in a perfect transcendental position called technically samadhi. So the verse again, what, in this material world, one is unaffected by whatever good or evil he may obtain, neither praising it nor despising it, firmly fixed in perfect knowledge. So as everyone, as we all know, Namo Vishnu Bhadaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutai, Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Tinamane, Namaste Sarasvatunde, Okay. So if anyone's not speaking, then they can turn their microphone off. There you go. Of course, when you speak, you should turn your microphone on. As we all know that the whole world is under this lockdown, practically speaking, for this virus. And I think there's probably more people talking about it been talking about Krishna. As a matter of fact, every time I go on the internet to look up something about health, the only thing they talk about is this virus. So if we can make Krishna as famous as this virus, our, our whole movement will be successful. If just one week people can talk about Krishna the way they talk about the virus, our whole mission will be perfect. But in the meantime, we should understand that uh, everyone is existing in the material world because of their previous activities and their present activities. And therefore, what we're seeing manifested as Arjuna saw when he was watching the universal form of Krishna, he was seeing the reaction from people's activities. So although we may perceive that in different ways what we think is going on, actually the only thing that's going on is people are getting their results of their karma. So although it may seem somewhat inauspicious at times, what's going on, but actually Krishna arranges everything for everyone's ultimate progress in spiritual life. That in this present society, in most places in the world, 
that people are imagining that actually, except for Puerto Rico, that they're actually enjoying everything. That this is a wonderful place. They're making so much progress. They've gone from iPhone 11 this year, they'll actually come up to 12. So obviously everything is progressing. But actually there is no progress in the material world unless one becomes conscious of Krishna. So when people's prophet said that someone has a fever in the Western world, they say when you're using Fahrenheit, that if you have 104, it's a very dangerous fever. But their neighbors are finding out that you have 104 and they're thinking, why should he have 104? I should have 105. Because they ha why should they have more than I have? So similarly, in this material world, in the present society, people have what's called material fever. Everyone is trying to so-called progress, but they actually don't know what progression is. They think that the accumulation of material uh, status or wealth or education, or whatever else they may imagine, is actually progression. But as Queen Kunti said in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Dan Maishwarya Shruti Sri Bir, Edamanak Madakuman, Naivahat Yavadatum Vai, Twam Akinchana Gosharan. That anyone who is imagining that progress means Janma, because Janma, Janma means in this age, if you are born in a Western country, or you get a green card or something like that. That's called high birth. Aishvarya, if you have pieces of paper or something in your bank account, it indicates that you have some money, then you're considered quite fortunate. And Shruta, Shruta if you can prove that black is actually white and white is actually black, then you're considered to be learned in minor society. And Stree B, somehow or another, if you look like you're 20 years older, somehow or another, then you're considered to be quite attractive or some kind of influence is also Stree B. So everyone is madly after trying to increase their material situation and they think that's progress. But what people don't know is that actually we're not these bodies, we're actually spiritual beings. And that right now we're intoxicated by our material association with our gross and subtle bodies and expanded beyond our gross and subtle bodies to our families and our society, whatever else. So this is a kind of intoxication. But when we become interested in advancing in material acquisition, then instead of simply becoming intoxicated, we become crazy. Yeah. The idea is to decrease the fever, not increase it. Increase, decrease the fever of material aspiration and the desire for material enjoyment. So this is what Krishna arranges. Just like there was one personality whose name was Banasura. I don't know if you ever met him. You can meet him if you read the Krishna book. He's, a, he's right there, his history. He was the son of Bomasura, if you know who he was. Bomasura was the, actually he was the, uh, he wasn't the son of Bomasura. He was the grandson of Prahlad Maharaj. So Banasura was a great devotee of Lord Shiva. And by Lord Shiva's grace, 
he had gotten 10,000 arms, 1,000 arms, not 10,000, just 1,000 arms. So he became the heavyweight boxing champion in the universe because every time he got into a fight, no one could actually block his punches. He was quite a, an opponent. So he used to go and challenge everyone in the universe for a fight and everyone would run away from him because they figured it's impossible to beat this person in a, fight, in a fair fight. One day he went to Lord Shiva, who had given him the benediction of 1,000 arms. And he said, my dear Lord Shiva, actually you've given me this benediction and everywhere I'm going, I'm challenging people, but they're running away from me. So I go to the mountains and I smash my hands against the mountains, my fists against the mountains, and I smash the mountains to little pieces because my arms are quite itchy. They want to fight with someone. So I'd like to challenge you. So Lord Shiva started to laugh and he said, you, you foolish demon. He said, don't worry. The time will come when your pride will be smashed to pieces and your flag of victory will no longer fly. So being a foolish demon, Banasura, he became elated. He became ecstatic that someday I'm going to meet someone who's going to be able to smash me to pieces. And therefore, my material consciousness will actually diminish. So similarly, modern civilization, where people are infatuated by, as Krishna says, or as it says, Anatevidu Swartikatim hi Vishnu Narashya ye Bhagir Arthamanina, that's Prahlad Maharaj in the Bhagavatam, that people don't know that the goal of life is to obtain Krishna. And therefore, therefore, they're taking something which is completely insignificant as the focus point of their attention. Hare Krishna Gurmash, you went mute. I, I don't know what's happening, but anyhow, is, is it working now? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So I, I got up the Tevidu Swartikatim Vishnu. That is, they don't know that the goal of life is to obtain Krishna. And they're taking something completely insignificant to Rashiya Bhagir Arthamanina something completely insignificant they're taking as the point of focusing their attention. And the main thing is they're blind and they're following a blind leader. Practically everyone in this material world is blind, except for someone like Srila Prabhupada, who had the vision to tell us actually what's valuable and what's not valuable. That Krishna consciousness is valuable, because that's who we originally are, that's who we naturally are. We're naturally Krishna's servants. Matter of fact, Krishna has accompanied us since time immemorial in our heart as a super soul. And if we turn to him, then we can actually get some direction in life. And we can, can turn to him through, as Kaladmara said, Naishamatis Tabat 
Urukraman Green Swisha in Arto, Bhagavan in Arto, Ahiyasam Pararujevi Shekam, Iskinchananam Navraniti Yadva. That someone like Prabhupada, who's completely free from material desires, Naishamatis Tabat Urukraman Green, who's actually absorbed in the lotus feet of Krishna, Sprisha in Arto, Bhagavan in Arto that we should take shelter of him and his instructions to become Krishna conscious. So rather than wasting our time trying to figure out who created this present situation or what, what it's going to lead to, whatever, because it may be may some value for our preaching. It's not that a riot's going on, we go out and destroy books in the midst of the riot. <laughs> I mean, it'd be nice, but it, we may not distribute so many books, but, and we might be in danger. So we have to have some consciousness of actually what the situation is. We're not supposed to be blind. On the other hand, we should know that we're not going to change anything by, even we know, well, ultimately, who's causing this whole thing? As, it, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Kalos me. Shaya krit prarido, lokansa maharta meha pravitak, ite pitwam nabe vishanti sarve, evasita pratnyukeshu da, yoda. Krishna says, Time I am the destroyer of all the worlds, and I've come here to engage everyone. So actually, there is one person who's secretly killing everyone. He's the number one terrorist in the universe because he's secretly destroying everything. Luckily, no one knows who he is, but we know who he is. His name is Krishna. He's come here as time, and he's destroying everything. Now, we ourselves, we don't have to be under the influence of time if, if as it says in the Bhagavatam, both by the rising and the setting of the sun, everyone's day is lost, except for one who's actually absorbed in glorifying the all-good personality of Godhead. So in any circumstance, whether it's so-called auspicious or so-called inauspicious, if we somehow or another try to focus our attention on Krishna and utilize the time for absorbing our consciousness as much as possible in Krishna, and then try to help others understand how ultimately by the laws of karma, the material situation is being manifested. And that's something that we can't really change. That's all under this uh, time is in, uh, is in control of the universe. Time is Krishna. And under the laws of time, the three modes of material nature are creating different karmas for people. So now we have some kind of universal karma being enacted for one reason or another. Uh, which is expected because people have uh, just imagine what World War II was like. I don't think any of us were around for that, but that was accumulation of karma, which was quite bad. And many, many people were killed and inconvenienced by it. And since then, people have become even more sinful. There wasn't such a, an opportunity for mass uh, slaughtering of animals, and what to speak back then, they didn't have this idea of so many people boarding their children or youth in Asia. Uh, 
the amount of karma that's going on is inconceivable. And to expect that there was not going to be any reaction to that is rather naive. And what we see is simply a small portion of the reaction for people's sinful activities. And the re- way of overcoming those sinful reactions, uh, we don't have to become overly concerned, uh, go out and protest, because it's a waste of time. You can go and protest that why is time doing this to us? A time will not be very much uh, impressed by our protests. Just like if people may not like the Christian's God and they may go out in mass and protest, why is this man God? You know, why doesn't he step down? Why isn't this not an elective process? Why is he so authoritarian? Why doesn't he kind of you know, become a little humble, step down from his position. Uh, Krishna is not going to be very impressed by our protest. What Krishna will be impressed by is we ourselves, if we try to absorb our consciousness in his service, and if we do that, then the result is that if nothing else happens, at least we'll go beyond this material conception of life, and we'll be able to live with internally and externally in Krishna consciousness. See how everyone and everything is actually being done by Krishna. When Prabhupada was lying on his departure on his bed where he was going to depart in Vrindavan in 1977, I believe it was November, and he was dictating the Shrimad Bhagavatam, the last 10th canto, the last, the chapters that he did, the last chapters he did. And Part of his purport that he gave is that everything and everything, everything and everyone is under Krishna's control. Uh, This is called Krishna consciousness. So this is what we have to become convinced of, that we have no other business other than absorb our minds in Krishna consciousness and try to help others become Krishna conscious too. Of course, we're not indifferent to people's sufferings. We could try to help out to the maximum that we can. But generally speaking, people's sufferings will not end simply with the end of a pandemic or the end of a protest or whatever else. People still have to face the same problems in life. The, the real problems are not the pandemic. The real problems are not protests or whatever else is going on. The real problem is janma mrityu jaravyadi dukkha doshanu darshana. The real problem is birth, death, old age, and disease. And whether we stay at home, whether we go out with a mask or not, whether, whatever we do, still old age, disease, and death are going to follow us. And the only remedy for that is to transcend birth, death, old age, and disease by absorbing our activities, tadbhuriyas, tadatmanas, tadnishtas, tadparayanaha, kachanya, puna avritim, jnana, niduta, kalmashaha. One's faith, when one's mind, one's intelligence, one's refuge is all fixed in the Supreme, then one becomes fully cleansed of all misgivings through complete knowledge and thus proceeds straight on the path of liberation. Vedyavanaya Sampane Brahmani Gavi Hastini, Shuni Chaiva Swapakecha, Pandita Samadarshanha. The humble sages, by virtue of true knowledge, see with an equal vision the learned and gentle Brahman, the cow, the elephant, the dog, and the dog eater. So we have to develop this determination by practice of sadhana bhakti. 
by our regular practice of chanting 16 rounds. And when we're chanting, we should not become discouraged or distracted or whatever else by our external environment, but we should understand that real fearlessness, real joyfulness, everything there is, is there and right with us when we're chanting Hare Krishna because Krishna is there, Shimati Radharani is there. And if we actually become advanced in the chanting, then gradually Krishna will reveal his name to us, his forms to us, his paraphernalia, his associates. And the more our minds become absorbed in Krishna, then the more our hearts are absorbed in, in, in these name, form, quality, and pastimes of Krishna, then the more we'll feel the joyfulness, the ecstatic love that's felt in Vrindavan, Kaloka Vrindavan. And without that, it doesn't matter what's happening in the material world, we have the same problems. When Prabhupada was on a morning walk in 1976 in Mayapur, he was talking about, suddenly he came out with a statement that this whole civilization, which is meant to keep people in darkness, will soon come to an end with the next war. And that war is coming very, very soon. And all the devotees were shocked, thinking, oh my God, there's a war coming. And then Prabhupada described the war, how India and Pakistan will start fighting with each other and America will join India and Russia will join, uh, America will join Pakistan and India will join, uh, Russia will join India and there'll be a fight, and there'll be a World War War. And all the devotees say, well, Prabhupada, Prabhupada, what should we do? And Prabhupada said, how should we prepare for this war? And Prabhupada said, you should prepare for it by chanting Hare Krishna. He said, you're concerned, of course, Prabhupada went on to say other things too. He said, you're concerned that maybe I might die. <laughs> Prabhupada said, whether you die today or you die in 20 years, you're going to die anyhow. It's not that actually we're going to die, but we're going to have to leave this body today or tomorrow. In 20 years, if we leave it, if we don't become Krishna conscious, then we've just wasted 20 years. There's no real value living 20 years longer. As a matter of fact, for most people who are not devotees or not trying to become Krishna conscious, then the result of living 20 years Longer means that they'll have 20 years more sinful activities. The next body will be 20 times more degraded than if they would have died now. Of course, we, in the human form of life, we, people have an opportunity to become conscious of Krishna, and we should use our time to not only become conscious of Krishna ourselves, but also to help others become conscious of Krishna. So that they're, if they do live 20 years longer, they're not gonna waste their time or actually do things which are not very healthful for their spiritual consciousness. So we, we have an opportunity, if we understand it properly, not to get disturbed, but to see this as what the material world is actually all about. People are imagining that this material world is a happy place meant for progressive enjoyment, progressive material advancement, and that they're going to, create a utopia where everyone's gonna live forever and enjoy unlimited, unrestricted 
sense gratification, which has no reactions. And now we can see that people can't even go out of their houses in some places of the world. They can't hear of anything else. At the time of death, they're probably going to think about a virus and join the other viruses. So what kind of advancement is that? It's not an advancement, but that's the, that's the uh, obvious, well, should be obvious. It, it's the most uh, blatant example of what material life is, all, is actually about. And I don't think we've seen anything yet. I mean, we haven't lived through a world, a world war and we haven't, most of us have not fought in a, in a war but we're seeing the face of material existence, which most people are trying to forget about or deny is even there. And we're only seeing the beginning of it. So while we have the opportunity, while things are not so calamitous, although Queen Kundi said, Vipadak Shantu Take Tatra Tatra Jagat Guru, Bhavatat Darshanam Nyatsyat Apuna Bhavadarshanam. Queen Kundi was praying, I wish we could see these calamities again and again. I don't think any of us are praying to see more calamities. Anyone out there, anyone there praying for more calamities? But luckily you don't have to pray because by Krishna's arrangement, by the reaction of people's sinful activities, there will automatically be more and more calamities. You don't have to pray for them. It's all right. They're going to come anyhow. But we should take it as an opportunity to think about Krishna. And if we think about Krishna more and more, we absorb our minds more and more on Krishna, then the result is that we'll, we'll, we will not see repeated birth and death. There's no need to be overly concerned with what's going on, at least not concerned beyond our ability to do something about it. We have our sphere of influence, and we have a sphere of concern, we have generally our influence is quite limited compared to what our concerns may be. But our concern should be that we should try to absorb our minds by chanting Hare Krishna and not think about all these unnecessary things. Not only the unnecessary things that are in our present society that's going on, but all our very small and ultimately not very valuable anxieties that we have about our past and our future. Our future is very bright. If we just chant Hare Krishna with attention and some feeling like a child calling for its mother, trying to absorb our minds in Krishna, trying to reading Prabhupada's books with care and attention so that when we're chanting spontaneously, some of these remembrances about Krishna may come or worship our deities very nicely, like Lord Jagannath there so that we can actually absorb our consciousness in something about Krishna, his name, foreign qualities, and pastimes. And outside, we should see whatever is going on as an arrangement of Krishna. And therefore, our consciousness externally is, we only have one consciousness we have to develop. We don't have to develop millions of different psychologies or different perspectives on things. We only have one thing we have to absorb our mind in. Uh, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was asked, uh, what is the, our mission? What are we supposed to do? So he said, one householder asked him, he said, Yari Deka Tare Kaha Krishna Upadesh 
Amara Agar Guruhana Taridesh. Whoever you meet, just try to help them become conscious of Krishna. That's the only thing we really have to do. We don't have to figure out, well, we should know who we're dealing with, more or less, what their needs are, what their desires are, what their expectations are, but that we can always inquire from that, from whoever we meet. And then we should try to help them somehow or another get closer to Krishna. And that's our only duty. It doesn't matter if it's my husband or wife or friends or strangers, whatever else. We only have one relation with everyone. That is to serve them to help them become conscious of Krishna. That may vary according to time, place, and audience, but we don't have to worry about anything else. If that's what we're absorbing our minds in, our intelligence in, in then our, our relations with others will become perfect. And if we spend our lives doing that, in spite of whatever difficulty there may be, then our lives will also become perfect. Uh, the Bhagavatam is not full of happy devotees taking vacations in Hawaii drinking pineapple juice and surfing. That's not what the Bhagavatam is all about. The Bhagavatam is about everyone, all the devotees having all kinds of difficulties. Prahlad Maharaj, Dhruva Maharaj, the Pandavas. There's no happy story in the Bhagavatam. And if there's a happy story in the Bhagavatam, it usually ends quite unhappy. Those who are not, those who are thinking that this material world is a place of happiness, uh, they're mistaken. One time, one devotee asked Prabhupada, what is the happiness in the mode of goodness? And Prabhupada's response was, if you think there's happiness in the mode of goodness, then you're in ignorance. There is no happiness in the material world. Abrahma bhuvana loka punarvarta nojana mamupetya putu konteya punarjanma navidite from the highest planet in the material world down to the lowest, they're all places of misery where in repeated birth and death take place. But one who attains from my abode, O son of Kunti, never takes birth again. Sahasra yuga pariyantam ahoryat brahmano vidu yatra yuga sahasrantam teho yatra vidojana. A thousand ages taken together is equal to Brahma's one day, and such also is Brahma's night. So a thousand ages. Uh, Brahma lives for 311 trillion, 40 billion years, which means in one moment of Brahma's life, not even a second, a moment, we're going through a thousand births and deaths if we live that long, 90 years in each birth and death. So now we're in this body. It's not, we're not going to even live for a fraction of a moment of Brahma's life. And so that we should take advantage of it in any circumstance, like our great devotees, whether Prahlad Maharaj or Dhruva Maharaj or the Pandavas, and simply try to absorb our consciousness in Krishna and understand that whatever is going on outside is by Krishna's arrangement. And we should see how to, as Krishna's arranging things, he can also give us the intelligence, what he wants us to do to serve his mission. And if we take that seriously, then Krishna will give us more and more intelligence so that we become more and more transcendently expert and discriminating, more and more understanding how to serve others, how to engage in loving relationships with others to help them become Krishna conscious, and more and more expert at it. 
not only understanding what the needs of others are to help them become conscious of Krishna, but more and more expert and powerful in our absorption in our own Krishna consciousness so that we can actually give people the proper association to inspire them to actually take up the process of Krishna consciousness. So the purport is, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Masujaha, uh, don't worry. The whole material world is just full of anxiety because of the material concept of life. But for a devotee, even if we are affected by the material concept of life, still we should not take it so seriously. We should understand that ultimately everything, our lives are arranged by Krishna. Krishna is right there in our heart. He knows exactly what we need. And he knows what we need is the most besides our basic necessities. He knows we need more and more intelligence coming from him, how to plan our lives in such a way that throughout the 24 hours a day, we cannot help but think about Krishna. And Krishna's promise is that if we do that, we're sure to go back to him. So that's what we should concern ourselves with. And if we do that, then gradually, every day, with the rising and the setting of the sun, we won't lose our day. We'll actually get closer to Krishna uh, in our eternal relationship with him. So I'll stop there for now and ask if there's any questions. I see there's something in the chat there. Hi, Krishna Gurmash. Yes. Please, some, please, some humble obeisances. All glories to the Prabhupada. This is Nityananda Chandra. Uh, you told the story of Banasura, how he uh, was puffed up with his newfound power. Could you speak a little bit about uh, Utsaha Mai, uh, one of the six obstacles where you get puffed up when you come to Krishna consciousness and well, that's, there's something in Madhuri Khandambini, Shri Vishnathakavati Thakura, he talks about the different stages of Anishnata Bhajna Kriya. And one of the stages of Anishnata Bhajna Kriya is called Utsahamayi, the first one. Exuberance uh, puffed up. Well, exuberance when one comes to Krishna consciousness. Naturally, there is some feeling of difference between what one's material existence was like and what one's spiritual experience is. So then one starts thinking that I become a greatly advanced devotee. But that's just natural because compared to what we were at before, even the beginning stages of Krishna consciousness, it seems quite extraordinary. But, and sometimes, because most of us are yoga brashtas, Brashta means one who's take, had the, was performing devotional service in the past, but for one reason or another, we didn't complete the process of devotional service, and here we are now. And in order to encourage us, Krishna gives us some special mercy at the beginning of our devotional service, just to encourage us and inspire us to go forward in spite of the future obstacles we may face. So that's called utsahamai. We feel some enthusiasm at the beginning, which we're, we didn't experience before. And we don't really understand clearly what the whole path of devotional service is and what our future might be. And therefore, sometimes we become overwhelmed with our present enthusiasm and think that we become a greatly advanced devotee. But that's all right. At least there's some taste there. 
And if you associate with the devotees, they're sure to help you understand properly what your actual situation is. No one can remain puffed up for too long in the Hare Krishna movement. Uh, there's a lot of devotees waiting in line to tell you what they actually think about you as far as your spiritual advancement may go. Then of course it goes on to Gana Tarala, alternating thick and thin. Uh, the devotee starts realizing, yes, sometimes I'm extremely enthusiastic and then the next moment I'm depressed or discouraged or I'm thinking in so many different ways which are outside of Krishna consciousness. So then one has to try to steady one's consciousness one becomes more humble by such a situation. So that's very good. In other words, sometimes we think, oh, I was so ecstatic, I was so enlivened before, and now I'm feeling kind of depressed and I'm not so enthusiastic. So that's very, very good. That's Krishna's mercy. Because then one becomes a little humble. One starts realizing that actually, the sun in the morning rises in the sky, not just to shine upon me, that I'm not really the center of the universe. I'm not even the center of anyone's universe. Krishna is the center of the universe, and should, Krishna should be the center of everyone's universe. So that's, that's very good. But then after one becomes a little steady and realizes that I must practice sadhana bhakti in spite of the ups and downs of my material existence, then the next thing is uh, visaya sangara. Vishaya sangara which means that there's a war against sense gratification. That one is thinking that I, maybe I should renounce everything and I should go to Vrindavan and might make my life successful, give up all my material obligations. But if I do that, then I have to go out and collect to go to Vrindavan and it's gonna be so hard to collect it. So maybe I should get married and let my wife go out and collect. But then if, I get, if I, my wife goes out and collects, then you know, we go to Vrindavan, she probably wants some children, I'll have to work anyhow. So then one is thinking, I want sense gratification, I want this and that, but I have to work for it. So there's a war going within the mind, whether one wants to renounce or one wants to have, enjoy material existence. So then finally, one may realize that actually I'm just wasting my time speculating all the time trying to renounce and whatever I renounce, and I'm becoming more attached to. It's like on a codicy day, one thinks maybe I should fast today. But during the whole fast, one is thinking about eating and looking at the watch all the time. Oh, there's only 20 hours left and finally I can eat something. So one is thinking more about prasadam than he is about Krishna during the fast day. So then finally when the fast ends, then one is liberated because then one can finally eat and one probably eats twice as much as he usually does and then laments, oh, why did I eat so much? Or as, Hari, as Prabhupada one time, one time told Shruti Kirti, the same thing. He said that Shruti Kirti, Prabhupada was Prabhupada's servant, personal servant, and he used to cook for Prabhupada. So Prabhupada said, don't go into the kitchen. Don't cook for me in the kitchen. But one time, Shruti Kirti Prabhu did went into the kitchen, and there he met his soulmate. And that was the end of his service to Prabhupada, at least for that time. So then he went back to Prabhupada and said, Prabhupada, I'm so 
unhappy. Now I'm getting married and I won't be able to serve you and travel with you. So Prabhupada said, yes. It's like before the feast, you're, wonder, you're thinking, I can't wait for the feast to come and then I'm actually going to enjoy, I'll be happy. And then after the feast, one is thinking, oh my God, I ate too much. I wish I never went to the feast. I'm suffering so much. So that's material existence. That's called Vishaya Sangara. And when one can steady, at least regulate the senses, not eat too much, or eat too little, sleep too much, or sleep too little, then there's Vyuta Vikalpa, excessive speculation. That the very things is one is trying to renounce, as I well, similar, the very thing that one is trying to renounce, one becomes more attached to. So when one gives up excessive speculation and actually starts realizing that the object of my meditation should not be how much I'm eating or what I'm doing or not doing, should be Krishna. I should do everything to please Krishna. So then niyama akshama, then one becomes steady in one's sadhana, or at least tries to, tries to get up a certain time of the day, chant the rounds at a certain time, read a certain amount of Prabhupada's books every day. And in spite of the fact that one tries every day to become regulated, still one finds difficulty. But when one becomes more regulated, you can get up the same time every day, chances rounds, is more steady, then people think, oh, here's a great devotee. He's always at Mangalarti, he's always chanting his rounds, he knows so many slokas, he must be as good as Krishna. So this is called Taranga Rangini, because such a devotee, people give him praise, they give him uh, material wealth, they give him so many different things, and he thinks, yes, I'm, I must be as good as God because everyone's telling me I am. Even God seems to smile when, I, when he sees me. So this is Taranga Rangini, enjoying the small waves of devotional service. But beyond that is Anishtata Bhajana Kriya, or Nishta Bhajana Kriya, where one takes seriously the chanting of the rounds every day. If we want to find out what stage of, of sadhana bhakti is we're on, Simply, we have to pick up our japa bees and chant a few rounds and write down if there's any thought that comes to our mind outside of the realm of Krishna consciousness. And if there's even one thought, we still have some, which is probably, probably more than one thought that comes to our mind outside of Krishna consciousness. Uh, that's something we have to work on to come to the stage of nishtata bhajana kriya, especially if we're attached to that thought. I mean, thoughts may come, thoughts may go, but it's the thoughts that we become attached to that actually cause us some kind of uh, problems or future concerns in this material existence. I mean, Krishna says, One is not disturbed by an incessant flow of desires that enter like rivers into the ocean, which is always being filled and is always still, cologne achieve peace, and not the man who strives to satisfy such desires. So thoughts will come into our minds. Uh, we shouldn't be concerned about these things because thoughts come, thoughts go. It's only when we actually become attached to these thoughts and we start thinking about fulfilling them that we get into difficulty. They become a distraction to our Krishna consciousness. So whether we're at the stage of utsaha mai, 
or Gana Tarala, or Vishaya Sangara, Vyuda Vikalpa, Niyama Kshama, or Taranga Rangini. Simply we have to chant Hare Krishna with, and try to listen. And if our minds wander, then we bring it back and try to chant better, try to listen. Don't, don't become disappointed. We shouldn't be disappointed that our minds are wandering or we're attached to certain ideas because we're conditioned souls. But we should keep on trying to bring the mind back to Krishna, try to listen to our chanting, try to chant with more feeling, like a child calling for its mother, try to chant more happily, try to chant more attentively, try to feel Krishna's presence while we're chanting, so that gradually we'll make progress. And one day, when we're chanting, we'll actually be with Krishna and his associates in Goloka Vrindavan. Is that all right? Did you Thank, you Thank you very much, Gamarsh. Anything else? Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. I would like to ask, um, sometimes in, uh, in hours of... Raja Sundari, by the way. You can say your names because not everyone will know who you are. Raja Sundari. I, I, sorry, I thought it's this plate here. Yeah, it is this plate. It's from Romania. Yes, from Romania. Uh, actually, the first question I want to ask is if there is any chance for you to visit Romania this year. Well, that you'll have to ask Krishna. See, he's not telling me. He's not telling me either. Well, I guess we'll have to ask him again. But we are desperate here for you to come. Well, I think we're desperate for Krishna to come. And if we can follow the instructions, not only my instructions, but Prabhupada's instructions, the instructions of all the devotees who are in Krishna consciousness, even to some degree, then we'll become Krishna will come to us. So it's good to be desperate. That's fantastic. It's only in our, when we call it to Krishna in desperation that we make any tangible progress. So Krishna has arranged it. We have no choice but to call out to him with some desperation. And therefore, it will be a great source for our spiritual advancement. So you should pray. I wish that we can see these calamities again and again, so that we can see you again and again, and therefore, we'll be no more seeing repeated birth and death. Anyhow, I'll come whenever I can. Obviously, none of us are in control. The uh, who's ever in control, which is Krishna, He's uh, just giving people a little reaction to their karma. We'll have to see how much reaction he's actually going to give us and them and everyone, their karma. I, I wanted uh, to ask also, like in hours of difficulty, uh, we find that we cannot chant or read with attention, that we have a lot of thoughts that are well, thoughts regarding our difficulties and the stress and anxiety. How to bring our minds back to chanting and to reading with attention? Like, what can we do practically? Well, read the same thing again and again and again and again. Close the book each time you read it. And if you can recite what you've read, Write down if you can re remember even one word of what you read. And then open the book and see where the word was. 
and see this time if you can remember two words. And then close the book and try to remember two words or more. Then gradually, after a while, you'll be able to remember more or less the idea of what you read. And when you do that, your, your mind will be under control. So the point is we're chanting. Generally, we don't get feedback, or at least not the type of feedback that we should get. Namely, we, we don't find ourselves in ecstatic bliss when we chant, remembering you know, absorption in Krishna consciousness. So a lot of times we're, we're noticing where our minds are going rather than where Krishna is going. So we have to get some feedback. We have to have some way of, of assessing if I'm actually making progress. So the way of doing that, especially with reading, is to read something, close the book, and see if we can remember what we just read. And if we can, then go back and read it again. And as far as the chanting goes, listen to the chanting and see how, how we're chanting, and then try to chant more feelingly, more as if Krishna was a person, if Srimadhi Radharani was a person, and ask them to engage us in a loving service, and keep on listening, and try to change our chanting so it's more aligned with that we feel we're actually chanting sincerely. And if we make that effort, then Krishna will give us the intelligence, how to chant sincerely, and therefore we won't have time to think of all these other things. So Krishna says, Vishayami Vinivartate, Niraharasi Dehinam, Rasavarjam, Rasopyasya, Paramdrishva Nivartate. That the invited soul may be restricted from sense enjoyment, though the taste for sense objects remains, but ceasing such engagements by experiencing a higher taste, one becomes fixed in consciousness. So we have to have a little faith that Prabhupada's books, the deities, the chanting of Hare Krishna, associating with the devotees in, in the service attitude and try to make our atmosphere more spiritual, that all these things are a higher taste. And if we concentrate our mind and give our love to Krishna, we'll be able to experience that higher taste. And then we won't be so much concerned with where our mind is going. Material mind is, we'll be concerned where our spiritual mind is going. Is that all right? Yes, thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Anyone else? Hi, Krishna Guramaj. Thank you so Hare. much for a wonderful class. I'm so grateful to have, you know, have this opportunity to see you and, and, um, you know, it's, it's really, um, it's, it's very comforting to see you and, and to hear you speak. And I appreciate all of your encouragement. And, um, I had a, a quick question about uh, when Krishna gives us a uh, an opportunity for service that maybe we don't have much experience in, um, or um, maybe even much intelligence in. Uh, what is the you've mentioned before to uh, rise up to the challenge that um, we we must rise up to that challenge um, in a previous lecture that I heard. So, what is the best way to uh, rise up to that challenge that we've been given? Well, it depends what it is, but generally speaking, this is Ananda Devi Dasi. She's in. Oh, yeah, sorry. Hi, Krishna. Ananda Florida. He has three boys. <laughs> are, they, are the boys there? Yes, they're all here. <laughs> Say hello. <laughs> Thank you. Hey. I will. <laughs> 
Well, if we don't know something, we should ask someone who does know something. We can always find out something, at least theoretically, by asking those who actually have more experience than we do. So we can learn from others who, who are more experienced. And then when we get some knowledge, if we have to apply it, then we apply it. And Krishna is in our heart. He can help us learn by experience also. But ultimately what we have to learn is that everything here belongs to Krishna. And whatever we're doing, we should do for Krishna. And we should do it to try to please him. Then we'll be able to think more and more about Krishna. So while we're learning so many things, because we have to learn things in order to adopt to our ever-changing circumstances, we should learn for those who have more knowledge than we do, more expertise. And the Ishupanishad says that we should know about material and spiritual things side and side. Material actually means simply forgetfulness of Krishna because Krishna says, I'm the ability of man. So those who are expert at something is because Krishna has given them the expertise. And we can learn from them and therefore we can become adequate at least in the beginning to do our whatever new activity we're going to do. And we can develop by learning from those who know more than we do and practicing and taking shelter of the super soul who can give us intelligence how to do it. And then gradually we'll learn. No one starts out expert unless you in your past lifetimes, you were, you know, you practice it your whole life. Like some children born they're five years old and they can compose concerts or whatever. But for the most part, if there's something we don't really know so much about, then we'll learn. You'll have to start somewhere. And then Krishna will help and we'll become more expert in the course of time. But don't forget to do the service to please Krishna also. Okay, so anything else? Yes. Um, this is Kamari uh, Devi Dasi from? Peru, but I live in United States. Oh, you're not in Peru. Thank you so much for your, your wonderful class. So I have, uh, I want to read a question from Danadar Peru from Serbia. She has made that okay. question. Okay. So he, he Is Danadar on, online? I think so, yes. But... Okay. So here is a question for him. Okay. So, how much is important to practice, or and what you preach, and how much uh, is better for our for our spiritual life not to practice ashar and prachar? So, that is a question. I understand uh, the question. That uh, do we preach more than we actually practice? Yes. Uh, how much importance that character is going parallel with the philosophy, she said. Well, obviously we don't have the opportunity to tell so many people about what Krishna is doing with the gopis in the bushes in Vrindavan. Nor do we know what Krishna is doing with the gopis in Vrindavan. So mostly our philosophy is quite simple. We're trying to tell others that you're not your body. Even we haven't realized that we're not the body ourselves completely, but at least we have some, some faith that this is true. We're trying to tell people that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, although we have not fully realized it, 
but at least we have some faith in it. And this is what Krishna wants us to do. So then we, we tell people according to that. Now, to go, as I said, beyond which people can understand, because most of the people we're talking to know very little about who we are, what we're doing, or why we're doing it. So we should just keep things simple as possible. Because even the simple things are quite profound. Bhagavad Gita probably said there are two different aspects of knowledge, which the whole Bhagavad Gita is about. Just two. Number one, we're not this body. We're eternal souls. And number two, Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That's called knowledge. So we tell people those two things. We're not this body and Krishna is God. Then our, our preaching is perfect. Now there may be details and maybe adopting according to who we're talking to, how we present these two things, or how much we present of either of these two things. But still, if we present these things, and even it goes beyond our realization, because what doesn't go beyond our realization? The first verse of Bhagavad Gita is, Denos minita dehe, we're not this body. To what extent have any of us actually realized that we're not this body? But we have some faith that it's true, that our bodies are changing, but we're not changing. We're the consciousness within the body. So therefore we can convey this to others. And if they hear it and they can understand it, then we've done the proper service to Krishna and Guru, Guru and Krishna. But we shouldn't go into philosophy that neither we understand or not anyone else can understand. We should start with, we should express our teachings according to what is understandable, and understandable means which someone can actually put into practice in their own personal lives. We're not telling people philosophy just for the sake of telling them philosophy. We should tell them something that's relevant to their lives and that they can apply within their lives and, and actually get some experience by doing so. Similarly, when we read books, we should understand Prabhupada's books, we should understand that Prabhupada's teach is talking to us the super soul is talk, talking to us, Krishna is talking to us, and we should see what they're trying to tell us that we can do practically in our lives to actually get a more consistent and profound experience in Krishna consciousness. We're not just reading for the sake of reading. We're not hearing for the sake of hearing. We're hearing to do something practical to actually get a little bit more deep in our experience of Krishna consciousness. Okay, so... Hare Krishna Gurmash, uh, there's a question from Nitya Seva. Okay. Hare Krishna, you're in India still. Yeah. Is it a little warm there? Yes, the monsoon now. Oh, so it's raining. Yeah. now. And that's Krishna Mayi in the background? <laughs> um, so she actually has a question. She has a, she has a question that how we can stop worrying about the problems of the future. Problems of what? Like how we can not be so worried about the future. Oh, future. Well, you don't have to worry uh, about the future. 
The future is already determined. Very shortly, we're all going to have to leave our bodies. Nothing to worry about. The question, the only thing we should worry about, where we're going to go. And that we have something we can do something about. Namely, we can try to put our minds in the right places, try to get the right understanding, by especially five powerful processes every day. Just like someone, everyone's supposed to take vitamins every day. That's what they, the health people say. You're supposed to take vitamin pills. So we have a vitamin pill, spiritual vitamin pill we have to take every day. Namely, chant the holy names with care and attention, without offense. Hear Shemad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita. Worship the deities, serve the devotees, and try to make our, live in a spiritual atmosphere. Try to make our atmosphere spiritual. So these are the five spiritual vitamins we're supposed to take every day. And if we take them, then we'll become spiritually healthy. And then there's no need to worry because our future will be very bright. And if we don't take it, we should worry. That's good. It's good to worry. Christian worry is there to encourage us to do the things that will end our worries. Namely, chant Hare Krishna, read Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, worship the deities, serve the devotees, and make the atmosphere spiritual. So worrying is very good. That's Krishna's mercy on us. So we should stop worrying. And if we're going to worry, we should worry about whether I'm making enough progress in Krishna consciousness. Just like Jasoda Mayi, Krishna's mother, she was always worried. But she was worried about Krishna. Krishna, maybe he's attacked by the birds. Maybe he's fell into a ditch. Maybe the cows are dragging him somewhere. So she was always in anxiety about Krishna. So we're going to be anxiety. We should be anxiety about Krishna. So that's very good. We keep on being anxiety, but add Krishna to it. Oh, just one minute. Okay, thank you. Hare Krishna. So I think we'll stop here. Guru Maharaj, excuse me. Uh, one uh, Mataji from Peru, she, her name is Bhaktin Daisy, and she has a question I read for her. Okay, this is the last question. Yeah, she's very short. Uh, she's okay. Very short. Yeah, she has pets. Um, she, want, she wants to know is. What advance um, she chants Hare Krishna for for them? She wanna they wanna um, receive a better body than his life is is no good for them. So they have pets, and she wants to know is she chants Hare Krishna for them or the Prasada? They wanna get another body, a better body for their ne next life. Is is okay? That question. Well, of course, if you chant Hare Krishna, they'll get a better body. You give them prasadam, of course. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was lamenting about how he's going to deliver all the conditioned souls in this world, Haridas Thakura said, don't worry, my Lord, that actually by the loud, loud chanting of the Hare Krishna, everyone is being delivered. Even the inanimate objects like the trees and others are being delivered. And so everyone will be delivered by the ch loud chanting of Hare Krishna with the speaker prasadam. Thank you. All right. Thank you all. I think maybe we'll have some more classes in the future.
by Kumari Devi Dasi's mercy. Oh, for your mercy, Guru Maharaj. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to be an instrument for Krishna and Prabhupada. You're yeah, also yeah. part of the instrument. Yes, yes. So, thank you very much, wherever you are. Chan Hari. What's that? Our, you, can you put the camera on and say Hare Krishna to Guru Maharaj? You say Hare Krishna. Who's that? Uh, when you say Hare Krishna to all of us, to you, Guru Maharaj, before Hare that. Krishna. Hare 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 Hasta luego. Gracias.